Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio, powered by Poddex. I am your host. Thank you for being here with me. And today, as promised, I am talking about ACDC, my first favorite band. But what does that mean? Does that mean they are my favorite band? Uh, we'll, uh, we'll unpack that in due course. Plus, I will review their brand new album, Power Up, which as of this recording is the number one album in 21 countries. And I will count down my top 10 ACDC songs and share a few of yours as well. All of that and more on this landmark 300th episode of Mike Seibert Radio. But first, let's kick things off with some shout outs. Thanks again to Apollo, Chally, and Lita for joining me on the live stream last week to introduce to you Icon Online. Uh, we we had a ton of fun and we're stoked for this event coming up at the end of January. And and again, Icon Online, where all are one, is a not-for-profit virtual Transformers fan convention celebrating inclusion and diversity of fan-created content that is going to be happening January 30th and 31st of 2021 uh we've been working on some really great stuff uh, behind the scenes and we've been seeing some really cool artists applying for artist alley and we've had some really neat panel submissions as well uh some of which might involve some really cool folks in the scene i can't really reveal too much now because we're still in the uh submission phase uh that will end on december 19th and at that point we'll be able to start revealing uh some of the panels and some of the cool folks that are uh involved but i've seen some of the submissions and i've had some conversations with some folks behind the scenes and there's some stuff to get really excited about but this is a fan run convention uh, you know, focusing on fan-created content. Uh, so that means there's literally no show without fans like you. So if you are an artist, if you are a cosplayer, if you're a podcaster or other content creator, we want you. Uh, there's a link tree available now with connections to the Icon Online social media channels, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. I, uh, I, I'm i still locked out of my Tumblr account, and and uh, you're probably about as tired of that joke as I am. But uh, uh, there's also submission applications for the cosplay contest, uh, panel submissions, and Artist Alley applications, and an all-new FAQ section that has been added. Uh, we've been uh, we've been getting a lot of great questions from folks out on social media, so we've kind of compiled some of those frequently asked questions into a, uh, a 
viewable doc that uh, that will answer some of those questions. And keep it locked to Mike Seibert Radio right here for updates about Icon Online, where all are one. This episode of Mike Seibert Radio is powered by Poddex. Now, you've heard me mention that to open the show for the last several months, but what does that actually mean, and what are these pod decks that I speak of? Pod decks are unique podcast interview questions and episode ideas right there in the palm of your hand. Conversation-starting cards that will help you have fun discussions, grow your audience, and set you apart from the pack. No pun intended. Or maybe it is. There are a variety of pod decks combo packs, including the episode and interview decks, the second edition interview deck, the would you rather and what the heck decks, or you could do what I did and just buy the entire library of all five unique pod decks. Go to poddecks.com for more information and use my discount code MSRP10 at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. That's discount code MSRP for Mike Seibert Radio Podcast, MSRP10 at checkout. Now, I discovered Poddex during the pandemic and at a time when I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep podcasting. But finding Poddex kind of helped light the fire under me to get me back on the mic. So when I say powered by Poddex, it's not just a sponsorship program, it's a motivation as well. So whether you are just starting out or are a pro podcaster or content creator and want to add more tools to your arsenal, shuffle up, ask a question, and let your audience audience get to know you and your guests better at poddex.com and don't forget to use my discount code msrp10 at checkout to receive 10 percent off because if you forget they don't kick anything back to me that's again discount code msrp10 at checkout poddex.com I have been a fan of ACDC since I was nine years old. And as near as I can recall, they are the first band, aside from maybe Alvin and the Chipmunks, that I uh, that I could specifically remember pointing to and saying, that's my favorite band. And for as rowdy as ACDC style of rock and roll is, you might be wondering how a band like that gets on my radar to begin with and at such a young age. Well, uh, being an only child, I I didn't have older siblings to be an influence on me. In fact, uh, of my cousins, I'm actually the oldest. Uh, but being a, a, a latchkey kid in the 80s, uh, I, I did have several exposures to older kids. And uh, one such uh, incident like that was, uh, you know, we, we, we moved around um, a lot when I was a kid, but... Um, my uh, my mom was always prideful of making sure that I uh, completed the the that school year at the same school. So while we did move around a lot, oftentimes during the summer, um, I I didn't 
I didn't have to deal with changing schools uh, during the school year, which uh, uh, which which was great. But there uh, there was one time where we had moved during the school year and basically to keep me in the same school, my mom had a friend of hers who uh, who happened to live close to the school. And so what my mom would do, she would uh, drop me off at this friend's place early in the morning on her way to work. Um, I, I just remember for several months getting up like ridiculously early. Um, and, and then from there, I would walk to school. And then when I got out of school, I would walk back to the friend's house hang out for a few hours, and then my mom would come and pick me up when she got off work. Uh, very 1980s, I know. <laughs> um, as, uh, you know, we're, we're getting mercury shot into our teeth and going to the asbestos elementary school, I digress. Um, and and th- this this actually ended up being kind of like a very temporary situation. I think, I think it was only uh, a couple few months, short period of time. Uh, but during that time, I got exposed to a few different... Um, uh, quote unquote older kids things like uh, like comic books. It was uh, it was the first place I played Nintendo, and it, it was the first place I heard a variety of hard rock, you know, like a lot of uh, classics, and but that also included ACDC. Uh, my mom's friend had a son who was uh, man a, a few years older than me. Um, honestly, I, I don't remember how much older he was, maybe junior high, high school. I don't remember. Um, I, I just, I just know that we were never in the same school or same classes or, uh, really ran in the, in the same circles. But regardless, uh, this kid had a half dozen friends also, and that, that after school was, uh, his, his was kind of the place to come hang out at. Um, I, I just, I remember several times there'd be like, uh, you know, half a dozen older boys hanging around. And now I, I don't think, though, uh, that I was particularly welcomed in this group of older boys. But the primary thing that I remember about them was that they listened to and talked about ACDC a lot. Um, you know, whenever like new songs would come around or actually I, I didn't know any difference between new songs and old songs because there were so many. Um, and, and I don't necessarily remember any of the specific conversations. I mean, looking back now, I, I would imagine it was the, you know, body juvenile lyrics, uh, and all the innuendo, uh, that, that, uh, was so resonant, uh, with these guys. I mean, ACDC is the, uh, is the, the quintessential perfect band for, uh, for boys in junior high school, um, uh, especially the older stuff, the Bon Scott stuff in, in particular. Um, but regardless, I do, I do not remember what the first ACDC song I heard was. I, I, I don't have those same vivid memories as I do, like, say, for example, watching Transformers the movie. Uh, but I do recall that ACDC was the first band that I could identify by sound and by name. Like, oh, hey, that's ACDC. Um, I, I, I would imagine that it was the capital letters um, or capitalized letters, you know, of the ACDC and the slash. I, I'm sorry, it's pronounced with the lightning bolt. Uh, maybe it was maybe it was the font, uh, the logo. Uh, it was easy to remember. Plus, obviously, that 
unmistakable, unmistakable, uh, distinctive rock and roll sound. That being said, um, I, I did try uh, unsuccessfully to try to endear myself to the, the this group of older guys by trying to hang in the conversations. But since I didn't really know anything about the band, I didn't know trivia or even really kind of how bands worked, um, I, I, I was definitely out of my league and in over my head. Um, I, I don't. I, I actually don't think they were especially nice either. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I was a nuisance, but even later, you know, af- after I wasn't going there anymore, I, um, I, I was still into the band and started learning more about them, I- including that, you know, they had, uh, two different singers and, and it does kind of, kind of crack me up though, because like I, I do have, um, nostalgia for that period of time, but it is weird talking about it now because, like, I, like I said, I, I don't, I don't think those boys were especially nice to me. But it, it is weird that that something kind of negative ends up having kind of like a positive um, uh, effect on me as I as I reflect here now. But I, I also. Uh, distinctly remember that my mom had a lot of old salty biker buddies. Um, so a- as as that would turn out, uh, those kinds of folks were into ACDC also, and thought that I thought it was kind of cool that I was as well. Um, I I have no idea or recollection what order or sequencing I experienced ACDC's albums in, only that it was completely out of order. Uh, you know, like I would hear some Bon Scott and then some Brian Johnson and kind of kind of alternating back and forth. It was all very, like, weirdly timeless. You know, it was all before now. You know, now being approximately uh, 1988, uh, there, thereabouts. In fact, I, uh, I I was actually a teenager before I actually learned what had even happened to uh, Bon Scott and why he wasn't the singer anymore. Uh, the uh, the video store near my grandmother's house uh, carried comic books, and they they happened to have um, a few of those uh, musician band uh, uh, biography comics. Um, and they, they happen to have the ACDC one and I flipped through it and I, uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's how I learned, um, how, uh, how, how Bon Scott had died. Um, but, but the thing that, that I do remember fondly about that time of, of discovering ACDC and being really getting into their music is that it, it seemed for me now, when you're a kid, you know, everything is bigger, time has no meaning, and but uh, for me, ACDC had what I perceived to be a seemingly endless amount of albums. I, I remember tagging along uh, grocery shopping with uh, with my grandmother and my great-grandmother um, uh, sometimes, and, and, and this is a trip. Um, so... Uh, I I don't know how prevalent Safeway stores, grocery stores are where you're at, but they're they're very prolific here in the in the Seattle area. And back in the day, uh, in the mid to late 80s, 
uh, Safeway grocery stores had like electronic sections. I guess I, I I don't I don't remember to what extent they had electronics, but I just remember like on the on the side wall they had like like a four foot section of like tapes and records, and uh, and and they sold music, and. Um, so uh so the Safeway sold cassette tapes and the cassette tapes were not locked in the case like they had a locked case and and then just a, a slotted shelving uh for the tapes and the tapes that weren't lined up uh locked up uh had a lower price point like 6.99 7.99 something like that um and and that made it easier for me to ask for uh, from my grandmother and great grandmother while uh, while we were shopping, I you know it's like you know they they would be off you know buying like frozen peas or whatever, and I I would disappear. I would I would go over to the side wall. I'd grab a ACDC cassette and say, "Hey man, can uh, can you buy this for me?" <laughs> um, but uh, I uh, th- the only time I I remember really any conversations about ACDC's music not being appropriate for me was a uh, was one time and I, d- I do remember this this one specifically we we went on a camping trip uh, to the ocean and at that point I had collected uh, enough ACDC tapes uh, to ask to rotate with my dad's Leonard Skinner tapes he was he was a huge Leonard Skinner guy and um you know, and as uh, during this road trip, I, I, I'm singing out loud because I know the lyrics to all these songs at this point, And I'm pretty sure it, it was something off of Who Made Who. So probably Sink the Pink or something equally inappropriate. And I, I remember my mom got so mad at me saying she didn't want to hear that kind of language coming out of my mouth. Uh, so but thinking about it now, I, I don't think there was a the issue was me listening to that music because i i don't remember that being being on the table i i think it was just that i was singing these lyrics and repeating what i was hearing um you know i obviously at at that age the innuendo was was completely lost on me i i, I remember a completely unrelated time also where you know, there there comes a time in a, a young man's life uh, in in the in the eighties when you discover two live crew, and uh, again a completely different time being around older kids. I I came home one time uh, uh, singing two live crew lyrics, and um, that that wasn't a good day for me. I I I, uh, I had a. Uh, a uh, nice meal of soap uh, for uh, for my troubles there, but um, I, you know, I I, I also remember uh, completely unrelated uh, for for Christmas one year, uh, my aunt, my uh, uh, my dad's sister actually uh, uh, gave me this um, this entire shoebox full of cassette tapes. Uh, she had recorded off copies of her ACDC albums and then gave them to me as a, as a Christmas gift, which again, I had no idea 
um, she was even into ACDC, let alone that she had, um, you know, these these uh, these albums to be able to copy off and, and give them to me. And, and and these were like the iconic albums too. Uh, you know, the the nine ninety nine ones at the Safeway, like like Back in Black and Highway to Hell. Not 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 the six ninety nine ones like Flick of the Switch or or Dirty Deeds or Who Made Who. Um, actually, I think those were the the albums the those versions the the dubbed off uh on uh you know like the 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 black maxell uh cassettes that that i listened to up until i bought my own copies uh on cd when i was in high school or or uh later um but i in uh in, in september of 1990 some uh 30 years ago a few months back uh and and actually a couple weeks after my 12th birthday my grandmother took me to uh the warehouse music store in Linwood and with a uh with a gift certificate i had got for my birthday i uh i went to the counter went, went to the you know went went to the the music shop and i bought my first brand new ACDC album that I I remember being excited about before it even came out. I remember seeing the posters. I mean, the warehouse was the warehouse was like this really cool kind of like Tower Records type of store. They they rented movies, they sold music. There was a Ticketmaster there. Um, it was just kind of like this one stop entertainment shop. But yeah, I I remember seeing posters and promotional uh, material for uh, ACDC's 1990 album, The Razor's Edge. And I bought it the day it came out. Uh, I, I remember that being important, saying like, hey, grandmother, can you can you take me to the warehouse? I need to go buy this ACDC tape. Um, and from that day forward, I, I've bought every single new ACDC album since. I have seen ACDC in concert at least a half dozen times. And, and for a very long time, they were my favorite band. I, 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 I think I like ACDC for a lot of the same reasons that I like Transformers the movie. Uh, my, my affection is steeped in nostalgia, but it's also something that I've occasionally felt is uniquely mine. Like, uh, like, 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 for example, I've talked about before that there was a period of my life where I legitimately felt that I was the only person who liked Transformers the movie, which, you know, is very laughable now that that I've connected with so many folks in the larger fandom that that have that have that type of um, nostalgia as well. But uh, being an 80s kid growing up in the 90s. Yeah, there were not a lot of kids my age that felt the same way that I did about ACDC. Um, and and I and I've always liked they're, uh, I guess, I don't know, I guess I would call it rowdy, but not specifically raunchy lyrics. Like, I'm I'm kind of hard-pressed to think of uh, songs that actually have swear words in there. Um, I, I'm sure there are, but I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um, I, I do remember getting into arguments about lyrics and being almost proud that, that there wasn't a lot of swearing in ACDC songs, as opposed to 
say heavier bands uh, of the day like I, I remember when I was in middle school my mom was really fixated on Metallica like you know oh I don't want you listening to that Metallica I'm all, well how about this ACDC oh that's okay uh, very weird standards but uh, I I also thought that oh I don't know the the blues infused tempo uh, was just right for me, you know, uh, not too fast, like a lot of metal bands, but you know, a, a beefier, faster and more, uh, more cool than, you know, kind of what I, what I'd hear on, uh, the classic rock station. It, it wasn't my dad's music. It wasn't Leonard Skinner. It wasn't, uh, Led Zeppelin. It, it was something that, that, you know, ACDC was a little more cool than that in, uh, in my opinion, in observation. And yet, uh, that, that was music that we could enjoy together, me and my dad. In fact, uh, Lucky and I took him to one of, uh, uh, one of the shows, an ACDC concert, uh, years, uh, years later. Um, I, I think maybe it was the Stiff Upper Lip Tour, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, now, I would only say, actually, that my enthusiasm for ACDC has slowed in, Oh, I don't know, maybe the last 20 years. Um, so, I mean, it's it's very odd to think of 20 years as relatively recently. Um, but but the thing about ACDC, I, I kind of I, I kind of discovered at, at, at this stage in my life is like they're it's almost like they're a band that doesn't belong in the 2000s. Um Maybe it was a, a combination of changing tastes and shifting interests, as well as as well as a a marked decline. I I would say, in my opinion, at least, of their offerings. I I I'm just I just was not a fan of their last several albums. Um, uh, but regardless, you know, they they always held that place of potent nostalgia for me but i wasn't regularly listening to their albums anymore um you know i you know the the cds went back in the cases and sat on the shelf as opposed to like you know my overhead visor uh you know cd case or whatever and you know i i had since seeded the title of my favorite band to bad religion you know that's uh that that that's been my jam for um, probably almost as long. So, um, but then, you know, in, uh, in 2016, uh, at a time when uh, ACDC lead singer, Brian Johnson was suffering from hearing loss, uh, replaced by Axl Rose of all people, uh, you know, to, to finish that last leg of the rocker bus tour. And, and then later in 2017, when uh, Malcolm Young, who uh, co-founder of the band, died from dementia, you know, I, I, I thought ACDC was done forever. And at that point in my life, I was content to let that chapter close. Um, but fate, it would seem, had other ideas. <laughs> Today. Nobody likes you. Let's show Mike some love. Right into the mailbag at MikeCyberRadio at gmail.com. And of course, the spelling on that is S E I B E R T. You've got mail. Everybody loves you.
So in early October uh, of this year, October 2020, I, I remember seeing uh, a little bit of rumblings on on the ACDC front um, on uh, on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you know, like I, I would see headlines re- reading, quote, ACDC, welcome back, Brian Johnson, Phil Rudd and Cliff Williams. Uh, there were there were vague teases on their social channels as well as you all know, the uh, I, I guess I would call it the first taste of a pretty decent sounding hard riffing new song uh, from what promised to be a forthcoming uh, new album. And I, I remember I was corresponding a little bit with my uh, my old work buddy, Andrew, who uh, uh, responded to to some of the things I was saying, like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, Brian Johnson got a, a cochlear implant for uh, uh, to fix his hearing. And, you know, there, there's been sightings of, of these dudes in Vancouver back in 2018, um, you know, thinking they they had recorded a new album and and uh, apparently it took two years to make but um but but then you know on on october 7th of 2020 the day after eddie van halen passed away something i never thought would happen ever again a brand new acdc album now called power up was announced along with the release of their first single shot in the dark now I have enough self-awareness to appreciate how maudlin this is going to sound, but at a time when we've lost so much and have had so much taken away with regards to COVID and the pandemic and the lockdowns, and I um, I, I remember tweeting that for for as much as 2020 has taken uh sometimes uh, sometimes 2020 gives something back that um that that's actually a a uh, very variation uh paraphrase of one of my favorite pages from a captain america comic book that uh that mark wade wrote back in the late 90s uh back when he was on the on the book with andy kubert i uh i i think i've talked about this on the podcast before but this this um this page this quote still uh still sticks with me and it's a uh, you know it's it's the sometimes sometimes uh, speech I, I I called it when I when I talked to Mark Wade at a uh, comic convention once and it's the silliest thing too because basically Captain America's had his uh, shield broken uh, shattered in a in a uh, previous adventure and basically that this is how it gets fixed in a fight with the uh, sonic powered base supervillain Claw. Uh, Captain America is holding his shield. It's held together with uh, with duct tape that is starting to unravel. And um, you know what? I've I, I've actually got the page uh, uh, right here. Um, so I'm so I'm just going to read from it. Um, <clears throat> the sonic onslaught hits him like a runaway moon, and it doesn't stop. 
Claw's cacophony is the only sound in the world, and it is Captain America's death cry. Over the course of his career, he has given his all to save the world a thousand times, to turn the tide of fate away from certain disaster. It has cost him friends. It has cost him family. It has, at one time or another, cost him everything. And he has never asked for anything in return. That comes with the job. It has long since stopped surprising him. Nothing ever surprises him. Except to learn that sometimes, for all he has sacrificed, for all that fate has taken away, sometimes... It gives something back. And then on the next page, it, it's revealed that the sonic attack it was actually uh, fused the shattered vibranium back together, thus repa- repairing Captain America's iconic shield. And uh, Captain America says with a warm smile, I don't believe it. It's um, for, for me, it's kind of in the same key as the on your left moment from Avengers Endgame. I was, I I, I was getting some uh, uh some mad uh sometimes sometimes uh vibe from from that particular scene, um, and really the only thing this has to do with ACDC is that it was a welcome surprise, and you know that that perspective of. Sometimes you get things that you never expected and never thought to uh, uh, to ask for, which uh, which brings me to uh, the impossible return of ACDC. You could feel the electricity in the air. Uh, this is an article of an interview with the band. Uh, this is a uh, uh, Michael Hahn of the Guardian. He writes, "The bassist quit." The singer lost his hearing, the drummer was under house arrest, and founding member Malcolm Young died from dementia. But somehow, ACDC are back, in black, in parentheses. At the end of an ACDC show, Angus Young has a routine. After a couple hours of perpetual motion in his schoolboy outfit, he said straight for the shower, and then, because he hasn't been able to eat since noon... He can't do an ACDC show on a full stomach. He looks for food. Quote, the first thing that enters my head is, I'm starving. When he left the stage of the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia on September 20th of 2016, the last night of the Rock or Bus tour, he might have been running through that routine for the last time in the band's then 43-year history. The final 23 shows had been completed with Axl Rose as singer. Uh, Brilliantly, it must be said, in parentheses. After hearing problems had forced Brian Johnson to retire from the road, he could no longer find his pitch on stage, and every show made his hearing worse. That summer, their bassist Cliff Williams had said he, too, would be leaving the band. Drummer Phil Rudd, the longest-serving member aside from Young, had not even made it onto the tour after getting himself in what Young had called a bit of a pickle, pleading guilty in a New Zealand court to charges of threatening to kill his personal assistant, plus possession of methamphetamine and cannabis. Angus's brother Malcolm, the band's de facto leader, had already left the band owing to dementia to be replaced by their nephew Stevie. Little more than a year after that show, Malcolm was dead. 
So when, in September 2018, photos emerged of ACDC, including Johnson, Williams, and Rudd, together at a Vancouver studio, it seemed miraculous. Johnson is hearing now much better thanks to what he calls a pair of prosthetic eardrums agrees. It just shows the resilience and the bond that exists between us. We walked into the studio and you could feel the electricity in the air. And of course, Malcolm was there. He was there in such a strong spirit that it was palpable. I think everyone could feel it. When Williams is asked if he had expected it to happen, his answer is rather more to the point. No, he says, simply and bursts into laughter. Uh, but Young, since Malcolm's retirement, the band's undisputed kingpin, uh, said he had always thought their story was not necessarily over. I figured at some point either the record company or somebody would say to me, uh, do, you, do you think you could put something together? So I had that in the back of my head, but putting out newer material, I hadn't really given it a thought. But here we are with Power Up, the band's 17th studio album, and it is a good bit better than one might have feared. It would be unreasonable to expect another Power Age, Highway to Hell, or Back in Black at this point, but Power Up is a genuinely decent album, a lot better than their last few. The origins of Power Up date back to the early days of this century. After the tour for Stiff Upper Lip ended in 2001, the band were silent for seven years, but Angus and Malcolm set to work on writing not just whole songs, but extra riffs, hooks, and choruses. Young says they spent five years in the studio together accumulating material with 2008's Black Ice, the first album made from those writing sessions. Had Malcolm already been diagnosed with dementia? Were they stockpiling against the day when he wouldn't be able to write? There was the odd moment towards the end of that time. You could see something was not right, but he still held himself together pretty good, says Young. So for this album, I was determined to use some of the strong ideas he had put a lot of effort into. I thought, he knows me better than anyone, and he was my audience whenever I had my own ideas. And he used me as the same. Sometimes he might write something and he would go, is that too clever? And I'd go, no. Young says he went into the studio to make power up with songs, all credited to Young and Young, uh, pretty much complete. Although Williams had a slightly different recollection. Uh, Angus and Malcolm had a, had a big pool of ideas for riffs and stuff that Angus pulls from. He identified 12 of them and we worked them up in the studio. Johnson adds, when we were in the studio and I was trying out singing certain lines, I just kept flashing through my mind, is this how Malcolm wants the song? Malcolm was a strong character. He just commanded respect without even trying. And even though he's not with us anymore, it's still there. We don't want to sound gooey, but facts is facts. Uh, the, the appeal of... ACDC is not just in the riffs, the school uniform, the cannons, and the volume. It also has the sense of camaraderie they project. That is not to say that they have all been best friends since the day they met, although Williams and Johnson are famously close, uh, because the Young Brothers were always spectacularly ruthless in their decisions about what was best for the band. And it, it is more that ACDC represented a place 
And their shows were that place where the only thing that mattered was being among the like-minded and having a party. Now, the article goes on um, and continues into some of the history of the band from 2016 to now, um, including uh, some of the drama involving Brian Johnson. Was he kicked out of the band or not? As you know, as well as more on Cliff Williams and Phil Rudd and and those shows with Axl Rose and how the band has survived upheavals and lineup changes dating all the way back to Bon Scott's death in 1980. Um, I've got a link out in the show notes and I've posted it on Mike Seibert Radio Facebook and on Twitter as well. And, and I do recommend you check it out. It's a, it's, it's a fantastically written article and I think kind of condenses the history of uh, the recent history of the band and kind of catches us up to where we are today. Now, as for Power Up, the uh, the album, I I really like it. And I think it's the, uh, I guess I would call it the quote-unquote last good ACDC album that I always wanted but never thought I would actually get. Um, you know, uh, Rock or Bust is fine, but it um it it always kind of nagged me a little bit that 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 would be their last record and um cuz yeah it's it's not great but um now the songs aren't as exciting or as original as a lot of their other stuff uh but but i i think for the songs on this new record on on power up they they don't have to be for me, it just has to be good enough and not be a disaster and not suck, uh, which which it's actually very successful at. It's a it it's a solid uh, batch of twelve songs, and um, for me for me at times, it feels like it was uh, actually produced in the late eighties. There's a there's a lot of that late 80s texture to it. There's a uh, there there's a lot of reverb and echo on the vocals that that aren't as apparent in their more recent albums. And and I also like the generous use of harmonies and backing vocals. Uh, That that's something that's also been missing from uh, from those last few albums. It's a it's it's a very full sounding album. Uh, uh, musically, um, I I would say that Power Up would fit comfortably, you know, vibe wise and sound wise, uh, kind of in between uh, 1988's Blow Up Your Video and 1990's The Razor's Edge. Like this, you know, th- this movie, uh, movie, uh, this album could have come out in 1989, and and I think it would fit right at home. Likewise, though. I, I also think that Power Up feels like a good sequel to The Razor's Edge as, as well. Um, I've I've seen official ACDC social accounts. Uh, I, I think I've seen this mostly on Facebook, but uh, they, they've been posting a pull quote from Rolling Stone saying that Power Up is, uh, quote, their best album in 30 years, end quote. And it's not. 20 years for sure. I, I I'd give it that, but it's not better than Ballbreaker and it's not better than The Razor's Edge. Uh that, that's for darn sure. Um and that's the other thing too. Um in a, in a lot of ways 
it feels like this is the first ACDC album to come out in 20 or 30 years, as if they haven't been putting out albums. Uh, uh, I, I mean, Rocker Bust came out in uh, 2014, which was, depending upon how you slice it, was only six years ago, or eh, it was six years ago. Um, and, and that perception... Actually, when it when I sat down and thought about this, uh, that that perception that this is kind of like the first ACDC album in in 30 years kind of helped me land on my weird hot take on this album. You ready? Uh, Stick with me here. Uh, ACDC's new album, Power Up, is like Halloween 2018. You know, the the movie, the the reboot sequel Uh, that movie is a is meant to be a direct sequel to the original 1978 slasher classic, you know, the the first John Carpenter Halloween movie and basically it skips over and ignores all of the sequels. So, uh post 2018, you're meant to watch Halloween 1978 and then Halloween 2018. And that's kind of in a weird way what Power Up feels like. It's the sequel to The Razor's Edge that came out 30 years later. And in keeping with that analogy, I guess that would make 1996's Ball Breaker the uh the Halloween 2 of uh of this example. You know, it it's it's the worthy sequel that gets retconned in favor of a better sequel. I like Halloween too, and I like Ball Breaker, but I also like my analogy that that Power Up is to Halloween 2018. Um, now, as for the actual songs on Power Up, they're they're all pretty good, and and there isn't a one of them that would feel out of place sprinkled throughout a live set with their most iconic hits. Um, I, I like that they stay pretty much on formula, uh, that, you know, that, that, um, that distinctive sound that folks and non-fans call out when they say that every ACDC song sounds the same, uh, for what it's worth, I feel that that's, that is an occasionally valid criticism. Um, I just happen to like that one sound. So, (laughs) That's a uh, that's my take on that, but uh, but there are there are a few standouts uh, for me on Power Up. Um, uh, that first single, "Shot in the Dark," it's a it's a great mission statement uh, for the album. You know, I I, I had a, a couple folks reach out to me. Oh, what do you think of the new ACDC? And my uh, my feeling was it's fine, and and I say that with the best of affection. In that it's not bad, it's not off-putting, it doesn't offend me, it's very serviceable, which, again, is is better than what I could have hoped for. Uh, the lead-off track, Realize, is uh, is really strong as well, but I, I think, now I've been listening to the album on and off for, uh, for the last couple weeks uh, since it came out, um, I, I think my favorite song on the album is a song that the band actually teased on Halloween. They, they put out like, you know, like a, a short clip on social media for a song called demon fire. 
it's uh it's very spooky um and it has um I don't know that 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 great combination of smoky blues influence. Uh, there's like a spoken word part that's uh, that, that's pretty cool, um, and but when when it gets to the chorus, it just turns into an anthem that you can sing along with in the in the classic traditional ACDC ACDC fashion. Um, this was the song, and I talked about this on the on the live stream uh, a couple weeks ago. But this was the song that, when I first heard it, I I kind of cocked my head and wrapped attention while I was driving. And as the song unfurled and got to that chorus, I I I legit felt uh, got a little tingle, and and the hair on my arm kind of stood up a bit. It's like I. Oh, I like this one. So that's uh, um, that's the one I've been coming back to uh, the most. That that was the song that immediately after it ended, I hit back and listened to it again. So um, th- there's a song on there called "Through the Mists of Time," and it's it's a really good one as well. It's um, it's probably the most introspective and reflective song ACDC has put out in 40 years. It's, uh, it, it, it's probably not as sentimental as I'm making it seem right now, but I think it actually makes for, Oh, I don't know, a, a nice capstone, if you will, on what very well could be their final studio album. I mean, who knows uh, what happens from here, uh, but uh, the remaining songs on Power Up, I I think, I I think they'll kind of fade into vague obscurity with uh with time, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, and that's not to say that they're specifically bad or unremarkable. Um, and there isn't a stinker on the on this album that I would hit skip on. It's you know I I've listened to it randomly. I I've listened to it. Uh, end to end, and um, I, I I don't skip any of them because I because I do like the songs, but they don't grab my attention the way that like you know the old stuff does. Uh, tracks like Witch's Spell, Money Shot, and Code Red um, have more personality in my opinion than than the deeper cuts on Black Ice or Rock or Bust, uh, but. I, I don't think they get into the canon either. Um, it actually reminds me of now. Now that I think about it, uh, like oh, I don't know, uh, "Fly on the Wall" or "Flick of the Switch." You know, two albums from the mid '80s that are totally fine and and great, solid listens, but kind of lack the qualities that make the other songs. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk about shortly, uh, for my top 10 list, um, iconic and unforgettable. They, they just kind of like, um, there's, there, there, there's a couple key ingredients, uh, the difference between a album cut ACDC song and a massive hit. And I, I think for a lot of ACDC's albums, there's just a lot of songs that are just fine. Um, and but then there's that that upper crust kind of kind of cream of the crop that, you know, there, there's a distinctive uh, separation there between between the hits and the and the album filler. 
Um, I, I'd also like to give points to the songs on Power Up for uh, relative brevity. There's only one song of the 12 that's over four minutes, uh, and most of the songs uh, clock in just over three minutes. A bunch of them are three and a half, which... Um, ironically enough, coming from a steady diet of bad religion songs and alternative punk stuff, um, it's a, it is a bit of adjustment, uh, getting back to listening to longer songs. I, I, I think I've, uh, my taste has kind of, uh, brought me back to like songs that are like two minutes long. <laughs> so I, um, I, and in, you know. I, I do hope that I get to see ACDC come around to the Pacific Northwest one last time um, and that they're able to tour if if not in 2021, then I don't know, maybe 22 if they're still feeling up to it, because like the Rolling Stones, um, even at their advanced age, uh, they they still put on a hell of a show. I as I said, I've seen ACDC a half dozen times, and I have never been disappointed. Um, shows that you know stay in your memory forever. Like you know, there, there's just imagery and memories and thoughts and impulses and all that 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 just you know they're just kind of part of the fiber of my being and my memory that I just I I can't separate. Um, and, and that was actually one of the first inspirations for this episode uh being uh episode 300 and thought i wanted to do something kind of kind of landmark in in nature um my buddy anthony brucali from tfu.info um he uh he asked me what i thought of the new song on the day it dropped and uh we got to talking about bands or artists uh that that basically uh the the bands you want to see before they die and ACDC was at the top of the list for him. And I, you know, I had shared with him what I what I just told you now that, you know, I've seen them a bunch. And 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 if if you have the opportunity to see them, then, yes, please do whatever you can, because it uh, it is not um, it's not a disappointment. And it it reminded me. Of something my buddy Camaro Kev said on his podcast, A Stack of Dimes, when Eddie Van Halen died. He uh, he's he's a huge Van Halen fan, and when Eddie took the pass, it uh, it hit him really hard. And you know, much like when a lot of us uh, content creators kind of um, ha- have those kinds of feelings, are immediate impulse is to crack a mic and talk about it. So yeah, he just, he just, you know, uh, uh, sat in his, uh, in his, uh, um, office there, uh, home office and man cave or whatever, and cracked a mic and just kind of talked about his memories of, of Van Halen. And, uh, one of the things that he said on this podcast is that if there is a band that you've ever cared about, and you have the chance to go see them live, you should try to do it, even if it's in the rattiest dirt casino, because you never know when it might be your last chance uh, uh, to see them. Like, you know, um, Ant from TFU, you know, he was talking about when uh, uh, when Tom Petty uh, uh, passed away, and that, that, that was one of the ones that kind of 
um, got his attention to be like, oh, uh, you know, maybe I should, um, you know, try to see these artists that that I appreciate uh, before uh, uh, before they go. And I, I think all of that is even brought to the forefront even more now that we're in the covid quarantines you know it's like who knows are 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 shows going to return are live concerts going to be a thing who could know um i'm uh i i i just saw uh tonight when when i'm recording that bad religion is announcing a series of virtual shows that you know they've already taped out they taped them back in october but they're to commemorate their 40th anniversary, they're they're doing four shows, one for each decade of um, uh, of them being a band. And um, it's you know, it, it is it is a paid thing, but I'm going to throw down for it because I I would like to see them, um, if not live, then at least some, you know, live recorded uh, concert footage. I, I think I, I think it's worth the price. Regardless, if, if if you have the opportunity and, you know, uh, <laughs> safety regulations allow, um, yeah, go um, go see your favorite band. Doesn't matter who they are. Go see them. Hi, this is Angus Young from ACDC with the educational part of the pro- program on uh, of Countdown. To tell you, as if you didn't know, to stay tuned to the top rock show of Australia, Countdown. Cut. All right, so this is what you came here for, right? I, uh, I I couldn't talk about why ACDC is my first favorite band and get out of here without sharing some music with you. Um, so these are my top 10 ACDC songs. Not necessarily the objective best, uh, but each one of these songs on my list is is an absolute banger and uh and on my revisiting their uh 47 year and 17 album catalog these are the songs that i will always crank up and sing along with um that was my only condition i made for myself when compiling my list um which led to two notable exclusions uh, that I will discuss in my honorable mentions after after my top 10. Um, also, I chose not to consider anything from Power Up. You know, it's it's just too new to be included in a in a all time uh, top 10 list. So with uh, with that, here we go. Um, my my number 10 is the newest song on my list. It is the lead-off track from 2008's Black Ice. It is Rock and Roll Train. For me, this is what I would consider to be the last great ACDC song that belongs in the canon 
with the other classics. It's tight, it's bright, and it's super catchy. Um, it, it does lose some points for the lyrics, uh, basically being uh, instructions and directions for moving things around. A little to the left, a little bit more. <laughs> but, but it's a lot of fun to sing out loud, which is what you want in your ACDC songs. Uh, my number nine is the first song on my list from a movie, um, of which there are several, uh, but I am going with Big Gun from 1993's Last Action Hero. talked about the last action hero soundtrack in other places but um it, it was the first cd i owned and it was it was just an iconic album uh from the 90s and and for high school for me and and this 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 great album uh for this uh relatively mediocre movie which i would say though if you haven't, if you either haven't seen Last Action Hero or haven't watched it in twenty years, give it another day in court. It's, um, I I would say that it was actually kind of ahead of its time in terms of meta humor and and uh, kind of like postmodern examinations of of modern action movies. It, uh, I I think it I think it works now way better than it did back in 1993 i think it was just too soon um yeah it's not bad but but again the the soundtrack is just is just an absolute banger and it and it leads off with this brand new acdc song um it's been featured in a couple collections and compilations but not a lot so there there was a time that this was the only way uh to get that song Number eight on my list is off of 1990's The Razor's Edge, and this uh, this slot, this pick was almost another song from that same album, but instead I went with one of my all-time favorites, Money Talks. Now, this one's a lot of fun, but what makes it a standout for me is the um, extensive use of background vocals, and there's a lot of that on this album as well, and and, and on Power Up as well, and I, I think the the extensive use of background vocals is, is actually one of my favorite sounds. Uh, from ACDC, you know, there, there's the, the, something about the the uh, 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 timbre of it and the tone and and just kind of because it's I, I think uh, uh, backing vocals and background vocals uh, kind of are, are, can be a savory spice in an ACDC song. If there's too much of it, it, uh, it, it comes across as obnoxious. But if it's just enough, it, it catches your attention because 
um, uh, the background singer, you know, you, usually it was Malcolm, uh, probably it's Stevie now on the, on the more, uh, uh current stuff, but it just, it, it's such a different sound and tone than Brian Johnson singing it. It, uh, it, it gets your attention. Coming in at number seven is the beginning of what I'm calling the uh, the Bon Scott power block uh, from the 1976 album of the same name. You want some dirty deeds? You want some dirty deeds done dirt cheap? In a lot of ways, the the Bon Scott era of ACDC almost feels like a different band entirely. And this this was the first Bon Scott album that I owned. I, I had the tape. And um, there's a, um, oh, I don't know, a, uh, a whimsy, a, uh, uh, I guess, a lascivious mischief <laughs> i guess uh that that you know bon scott brings that's that that's a wholly different type of energy than what brian johnson does um i i would also say uh points for a oh i i don't know a progressive sentiment i guess um because i mean i mean some of the the lyrics in dirty deeds kind of skew uh, a little homoerotic. Um, I'll be your backdoor man. I I think, I I think Bon Scott was just a horny dude. I'll fuck anything that moves. Number six on my list is another Bon Scott classic, released in 1975 in Australia on the album of the same name, but didn't see U.S. shores until late 1976 on High Voltage. It's TNT. So like You know, that's got another weirdly homoerotic lyric in there, too. Hmm. Um, My number five is, in my opinion, one of the greatest rock songs of all time. And it's, for me at least, in my opinion, the pinnacle of the Bon Scott era. It's the title track from 1979's Highway to Hell. And that, of course, would also be Bon Scott's last album. And I picked this batch of songs because not only are they iconic, but they also still work when Brian Johnson sings them. There's a ton of Bon Scott songs that don't swing that way. 
uh, classics too that, in my opinion, just don't work with uh, with Brian Johnson's signature growl. Um, I came across a list of all 57 of Bon Scott's songs and it was ranked top to bottom. And you go through that and there's there's some there's some incredible songs there that can only be sung by this guy. You know, that there's again, like I said, like a a weird um again though, I mean the dude is a dude was a horn dog. So, you know, there there's there's I, I wanna say, you know, uh whimsically, you know, oh a twinkle in his eye and a mischievous smile, but um but <laughs> There was more to it than that also, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's just that there's, like I said, a, a different, a different type of energy between, uh, the, the two singers. And I picked this batch because the, these, these songs I feel more than most translate to both that, that still sound like contemporary ACDC songs as well as classic ACDC songs. And with that, it's almost impossible to comprehend that that Back in Black is just a year later. And that title track actually is my number four. Now, Back in Black is inarguably one of the best albums of all time, you know, rock or otherwise, uh, just just classic albums. You know, I, I, I feel like Back in Black needs to be included in the same conversations as Thriller, uh, Appetite for Destruction, Abbey Road, Nevermind, uh, Purple Rain, Rumors. Um, but, but, but for this to also be a rebound album with with a brand new singer mourning the loss of their their previous front man um you know and and brian johnson cracks me up uh for who many folks still refer to as quote-unquote the new singer um kind of like how i still call the characters introduced in uh 1986's the transformers the movie like hot rod and cup i i call them quote unquote the new characters um it's an incredible accomplishment and they uh and they use that song in iron man 28 years later um my number three has one of the most memorable opening riffs in rock music it's uh it's my other pick from the razor's edge of course it's thunderstruck Yeah! 
If this song does not get you pumped, you need to check your doctor's COVID guidelines and get your heart checked out. (laughs) Now, from iconic beginnings to epic conclusions, my number two is ACDC's closing number, uh, and it is from the 1981 album, For Those About to Rock, We Salute You. song easily could have been my number one. Uh, This is one of ACDC's most signature songs, and I will never not sing along with it whenever I hear it. Sing it to the rooftops. It's it's just so much fun, and it's it's a staple of their concerts and how they close out the night. Uh, the house lights go down and the the cannons roll out as the as the intro builds. I, I uh, yeah, I tell you, I, I I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it, man. But when um you know we talked earlier about Brian Johnson's hearing loss, and I I do remember the last ACDC concert Lucky and I went to, and we uh we got the best seats we've ever had. And we were close enough that I could actually see the expression on Brian Johnson's face when those cannons would blast. And I I'd watch him sing for those about to rock. And I could actually see him wince right before the explosion. It was, um, it was, uh, it was, it was weirdly heartbreaking actually. Um, I, I almost felt bad for him because, like, I'm like, don't sing it, don't sing it. He's like, for those about to rock, and like, I could see him, like, you know, scrunch his face up, and and then the cannons would go off, and 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 this was years ago, actually. Um, I'm uh, I'm I'm just glad that that uh cochlear implant is uh is working for him, but it is weird that you know all those years ago, you know, I I. I don't know if that was the beginning of his hearing loss or, or, you know, maybe it just startled him or whatever, because like, I mean, even where we were, those cannons were loud and you could feel the concussion, um, uh, reverberating through your chest. Like, you know, when you're, when you're blowing off fireworks and somebody's got like, you know, like those big mortar tubes and, you know, and you're close enough to feel the, the, the recoil and, and the, uh, you know, uh, again, that, that, that feeling in your chest there. Um, I, I also have to mention about this song that just as iconic as this song is, I, uh, I, there was a, a brief period of time when we had the Howard Stern show uh, here in Seattle, um, you know, shortly before he exited to satellite radio and uh, Artie Lang would be on his show often. And he uh, he has this uh, a signature impression of Brian Johnson and ACDC and this uh, this particular song. And I, I think hearing that, you know, th- th- this had been what? 
2005, uh, give or take, uh, maybe earlier. Um, but it was, it was kind of like in, in the early 2000s and it really kind of reinvigorated my love for, uh, for ACDC and especially this song, uh, when, when I was in my twenties. We are the dealer. We'll give you everything you need. Hell, hell to the good time. Cause serious got to ride away. No. <laughs> for those about to rock, why are For those about to rock, we saw you cheer. <laughs> wow, does that hurt oh, your voice? Or you just- oh, and uh, and Jim Brewer's impression as well. That that one was a uh, that's also especially iconic. Uh, stick around after the credits. I I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play some of that for you. I'm not gonna play it now, but I'll uh, I'll, I'll put some uh, uh, Jim Brewer at the at the end of the show. Um, so yeah, having these kind of iconic, uh, classic, uh, ACDC impressions, I, I think, like I said, kind of really, uh, uh, reinvigorated my, my kind of, uh, uh, postmodern early adulthood interest in the band. Um, so if for those about to rock, we salute you is my number two, what could be my number one? Now, there are several iconic classics that I have not named. Uh, some that will pop up in my honorable mentions, but my favorite ACDC song is also one of their biggest singles. But before I reveal that, let me recap my list. Starting at number 10, Rock and Roll Train. Number 9, Big Gun. Number 8, Money Talks. Number 7, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Number six, TNT. Number five, Highway to Hell. Number four, Back in Black. Number three, Thunderstruck. Number two, For Those About to Rock, We Salute You. And from 1980s Back in Black, my number one favorite ACDC song is... You Shook Me All Night Long. So I've got a few personal attachments to this song that edges it just above for those about to rock. Um, it is my go-to karaoke song back back when that was a thing. I I'm not gonna do it here, but um, but I am told that I do it quite well, and I would imagine. That's among the fondest, most fun memories I've made with with some of my friends. There, uh, there, there was more than a few times where where uh, um, a, a group of us would hang out in a wine bar on on Friday nights, and the um, the the house musician brought me up a couple times. This was 
very late in the evening. I should I should mention that as well. And you know, he was he was a guitar player and you know had a drum machine and all that other stuff. And he would play for me. <laughs> you shook me all night long, and I would perform it for um, us um, uh, sophisticated. <laughs> supposedly sophisticated folks uh in in the wine bar um incredibly fun times and it just uh um yeah no it was it, it was just a ton of fun and i would like to think that that's one of the things i'll be remembered for when uh when i'm not here anymore is that uh um you know that 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 impression and and karaoke fun but but more important than that i remember blasting this song on my way home after my first dates with Lucky when I was out way too late at night and needed to work the next day. I would, you know, um, you know, it's, it, it's great being a younger person because like, you know, when, uh, when you're in your twenties, you can be out all night get 90 minutes of sleep and then operate heavy machinery the next day. I, I, I didn't operate heavy machinery. That's a that's a that's a John Heffron joke. Um uh but anyway, it, it is it is a song that we've always shared together. I mean, heck, we we even played it at our wedding. So um so yeah, uh you shook me all night long. It'll it'll always have um a soft spot for me and it and is um you know, it, th- there was a time where it wasn't specifically my favorite song i mean certainly when i was younger um i i think there were songs that i i liked more but um uh this is a song that that's also kind of permeated pop culture like this is this is like the one acdc song that like everybody knows so um you know couple that with with my personal connections to it um yeah it, it had to be my number one so, uh, so there you have it. Uh, that's my top 10 ACDC songs. And before I share your feedback and picks, I, I've got a few honorable mentions that, that I want to uh, talk about as well. Uh, some favorites of mine that didn't quite make the cut. Um, you know, I talked about Dirty Deeds, Dunder Cheap. It's a, it, it's, it's a great album and it also includes two of my uh, non-traditional favorites. Uh, the first being Big Balls, which, as you could imagine, I got a lot of amusement and entertainment out of when I was 12 years old. Um, I mean, the the it's the the innuendo is such that it it borders on silly. It really kind of does, but it's one of those things where. You go back and I mean, like, just like I, I don't know, uh, two, three days ago, uh, it came up on my Spotify and and I, I'm listening to it while I while I'm tooling around and I singing along with that. I'm like, and he's got big balls and she's got big balls, but we've got the biggest balls of them all. I mean, it's just it's it's I, I don't know. It's very emblematic of that era of uh of acdc now on the flip side though the other song i want to call out also on dirty deeds dunder cheap is um is a song called ride on which as best as i can think of is the only ballad that acdc has ever done in fact actually it's probably less of a ballad and more of a straight-up blues song 
Uh, but it is definitely their slowest, most low-key, most self-reflective song. Uh, the problem with both of those songs is that I can't crank it up and sing along with an anthem style uh, like with the rest. I I actually kind of experimented a little bit with you know putting these in a playlist, and both of those songs sound out of place with uh with some of the big heavy hitters that that I've got in my top 10. Um and and with that there there's also a bunch of other Bon Scott songs I couldn't rank higher either like, you know, Sin City and Jailbreak and Ain't No Fun Waiting Around to Be a Millionaire or It's a Long Way to the Top if you want to rock and roll. Um or you know any any number of those uh titles that have many many words in there. Um and some fans even say that ACDC actually died with Bon Scott and they're they're not down with the Brian Johnson era like uh like friend of the podcast Blackie Shepherd, you know. He's uh anytime I put out ACDC stuff, he's all like ACDC died with Bon Scott. And you know what? While I can respect that opinion, I, I don't necessarily share it. Um, you know, and I've got a few other uh, favorites, too, that didn't quite make the cut. Uh, I like Heatseeker a lot. Uh, Rock the Blues Away uh, from uh, from Rocker Bust was also uh, um, another one of those kind of uh, semi-reflective songs. You know, it's a song about hanging out with your dudes, you know, uh, uh, shooting pool and smoking cigarettes and you know, be, being being in trouble, you know that that kind of thing. Um, now I, I mentioned this earlier uh, when it when I actually did the um, the list. I almost put "Are You Ready" from Razor's Edge on the list, but slotted in "Money Talks" instead. Um, and and I discovered as I was re-listening that that I like them for the same reason. You know, the the extensive use of backing vocals. And re-listening to both of them uh, side by side, I guess. Well, not side by side, but but you know, re-listening to them together, uh, "Money Talks" is the is the better song, and it it's a bigger song. Uh, but I do appreciate though, and I think maybe this is why this was on my mind. Um, "Are You Ready" has kind of found a new resurgence as part of the TV commercials for, of all things, WWE SmackDown, uh, but. I uh that that song's always had a special place for me in that um when I got the Razor's Edge it was on cassette. Now um I I didn't really talk about this earlier but you know uh cassettes and albums you know they have sides. And I I I doubt this is the case anymore but I feel like um there was consideration into the track listing of what would be on which side. And um, when you flip the tape over, Are You Ready is the opening song on side two of The Razor's Edge, and it's a great way to start it off. It's uh, um, it, it's not as great as Thunderstruck, but it, but it's a, it is a cool way to start off the second half of a really strong album. So... Um, and I, uh, another album I mentioned a few times already, but I, I couldn't, I, you know, I, I just couldn't pass anything through from, uh, from ball breaker. Um, even though it is one of my favorite ACDC albums, um, it's, uh, it's the album that came out when I was in high school. 
Um, so it was it was a big album for me, you know, 1996. I'm a year away from graduation. I'm I'm very much on my way to becoming the person that that, you know, I'm kind of um, that I'm going to kind of be. And it was um, it, it was the first concert. I went to with my uncle Chris and his brother Tim, uh, who uh, you might remember you met back during my TFCon LA recap last year, um, and it, it was it was such a great time. And in fact, <laughs> this might be mildly embarrassing, but um, when when my aunt. Uh, when my aunt was pregnant with my youngest cousin, Danny, who just got married back in October, I, I talked about that a little bit. Uh, one of my aunt's go-to t-shirts was an ACDC ball breaker, uh, concert shirt. And, and I remember it because the, the design of the shirt is basically just like a giant globe, um, that would, that would kind of. <laughs> It would kind of be over her uh, her belly, her pregnant belly, and flanked by members of the band. Um, so yeah, I just have like these kind of like weird, uh, kind of out of context memories uh, for that. Um, also, I would add, speaking of that concert, uh, Brian Johnson wrote uh, wrote a wrecking ball when Miley Cyrus was four years old. But um, but you know, unrelated. That uh, that actually kind of reminds me of something else about ACDC's music I haven't really talked about yet. I couldn't really figure out where to put it, but you know, uh, one one of the criticisms of ACDC's music is the misogyny, and I I think that's a valid criticism. Um, but I I've discovered in revisiting uh some of their some of their music recently for as misogynistic as their songs are i've discovered that oftentimes the most sexually charged lyrics actually have more to do with men being submissive or out like surrendering to powerful women uh than than the other way around i mean i mean think about you shook me all night long right it's uh it's more about the woman with the American thighs and the clean motor um, and her appetites than than the man in the song. Um, the uh, the title song off of Ballbreaker uh, kind of takes this even further, uh, kind of, I guess, kind of, I, I don't know, I, in my weird fan fiction headcanon, I, I think that the... Uh, the titular ball breaker is the same person from you shook me all night long, but, but there, I have no evidence to substantiate that. But anyway, the, um, uh, ball breaker takes a, this theme further and is just straight up a, a dominatrix anthem. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, I was talking about this, uh, uh, concert, uh, the concert actually starts with a cartoon. I mean, this was 1996, 1997, um, uh, featuring Beavis and Butthead. And they, uh, they, they find a way to sneak backstage of an ACDC concert and they run into an encounter. The, this, this, uh, ball breaker character 
who is portrayed as this voluptuous, bodacious, leather-clad bombshell, you know, two feet taller than than Beavis and Butthead, uh, you know, wearing a black and red overcoat, like a cloak full uh, filled with, you know, various um, uh, toys like drills and wrenches and whips and chains and and all while wearing Angus Young's schoolboy ball cap with the ACDC logo on it. Um, My point is that this character is in charge, not the hapless Beavis and Butthead, and and the cartoon ends with them both being dragged into uh, the, uh, the room with the ball breaker character, and they are never seen again. Um, now, that's not to say that there aren't ACDC songs that are problematic, you know, with a, with a capital P. And there are some that, you know, are kind of uncomfortable in, in terms of uh, their, their misogyny. But uh, to me, you know, um, ACDC songs at their core are about how, I don't know, I, I guess, adolescent fantasy as anthem rock you know uh the 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 lyrics and songs are about you know carousing and banging and drinking and mischief high voltage hanging out with your mates and and you know uh, of course rock and roll you've heard what mike thinks now tell him what you think on facebook twitter and instagram at mike cyber radio yeah, so you you heard my list and some extra commentary. Um, let's uh, let's hear some of your picks. I asked you for your top three ACDC songs, and here's what you had to say from Twitter. Uh, longtime friend of the show, Killing Spree at Late Night Death says, number three, TNT, number two, Back in Black, and number one, Highway to Hell. All excellent picks. Jobot at TFJobot1 uh, writes, I love ACDC. My top three, number three, Have a Drink on Me, two, It's a Long Way to the Top if you want to rock and roll, and their number one, Dirty Deeds, done dirt cheap and from the top five podcast at top five pod uh they they write uh congrats on 300 thank you and their top three number three dirty deeds done dirt cheap number two highway to hell and number one you shook me all night long um and on facebook my dude dave sanders uh rock and roll ain't noise pollution ride on and money talks also, just wanted to throw in a special bonus to my comment about a hype video for Stone Cold vs. Undertaker at SummerSlam 98 using Highway to Hell being, without hyperbole, the greatest hype video still they ever did. And it's, uh, I, I watched the video, I hadn't seen it before, and it is pretty incredible it you know it's a super cut of stone cold steve austin and the undertaker and you know it's highway to hell and and it rules um my dude greg a host of the unfunny nerd tangent podcast and part of the steel cage his three are if you want blood you've got it 
Highway to Hell, and Thunderstruck. My buddy Aaron from Autopod Decepticast writes, oh, (laughs) I should have figured this out earlier. He writes, I hereby license the APDC intro from Dinobot Island for your creative endeavors. So this will work out okay. So Greg, who is from Australia and was on uh, our previous episode uh, discussing the Road Warrior and the Ronin character type, Um, someone from Australia who hadn't seen the Road Warrior, and uh, he was a guest on Autopod Decepticast to talk about Dinobot Island uh, Part 1 and 2 from uh, Season 2 of the Transformers Generation 1 cartoon. And uh, my dude Aaron... And Greg as well. Uh, I, I would say these uh, these guys are two of a kind in terms of elaborate introductions. Uh, the uh, the latest episode of Unfunny Nerd Tangent is them uh, talking about Gremlins and Gremlins Two, and uh, yeah, Greg does some really good intros. But anyway, uh, Aaron, uh, you know, <laughs> celebrating Greg's Australian heritage, uh, you know, came up with this. Uh, appropriately ACDC fueled uh, introduction that I will just play for you here right now. Today we're going to be following episode 30 of the Transformers G1 series. That's Dinobot Island part one. And uh, this is your host, Aaron. And would you guys care to introduce yourselves? I'm, uh, I'm Ryan. I'm Caleb. Wow. Just do it at us this time, huh? That's right. And... <laughs> Hell's Bells, we've got quite an episode for the listener today. A real piss-up with our very special guest, Greg, from Transformers Reanimated and Unfunny Nerd Tangent. And the only way to properly introduce him is to talk about the time Ryan, Caleb, and I pulled off a jailbreak in 74. Who were we rescuing from the clink? Mike Seibert of Mike Seibert Radio, of course, who was in the people pound for indiscriminately firing his guns, making people feel unsafe in new york city to pull this caper off properly caleb ryan and i needed a co-conspirator with a real stiff upper lip well money talks but luckily for us there were guns for hire we were looking for the kind of ball breaker that walks the razor's edge we needed a bloke uh, someone that would be more than a fly on the wall but someone who would ride with us dodging the black ice on that highway to hell and if you think about it hell ain't a bad place to be Well, we were thunderstruck to find a real bush ranger in our guest, Greg, who approached us and said, if you want blood, you've got it. (laughs) (laughs) This was just the type of cobber who was going to help us get our dirty deeds done. Dirt cheap. Crew set. (laughs) Breakout day. Clothed from front to back in black, we strutted our evil walks onto the penitentiary property. We cut through the high-voltage security fence, careful to avoid the live wires. I took out a guard tower with my big gun. Caleb skirted the canines by... <laughs> when you said big gun, you're like... You he got like, it. Big gun. <laughs> Caleb skirted the canines by giving the dog a bone. Ryan distracted the head guard, providing her with a shot of love. As a team, we made our way through the prison maze to Mike's pen, which was at the peak of the prison, and let me tell you, it was a long way to the top. When we arrived, we found Mike encased in a concrete wall, five feet thick, hard as a rock. We hadn't planned for this. We thought it was over. It was like getting kicked in the teeth. Again! No worries, mate, Greg said as he opened his... (laughs) 
<laughs> dilly bag and pulled out. <laughs> you guessed it. with your faces. I can't hold it in. No worries, mate, Greg said as he opened his dilly bag and pulled out. You guessed it. TNT. Dynamite. Are you ready? Greg shouted. He pushed down the ignition button. I feel he pushed it a touch too much by my standards. But regardless, the big house was rocked and the foundations were shook. And in the nick of time, my fellow night prowlers and me were back in business. Safely stolen from the slammer, Mike, Caleb, Ryan, Greg, and I returned to our hideout down on the borderline. Mike, extremely appreciative, said, fellas, have a drink on me. So we all kicked back, poured ourselves a whole lot of rosé. I asked Greg, hey man, you into music? Greg winked at me and replied, let there be rock. So with the flick of a switch, we all listened to the Iron Man 2 soundtrack. <laughs> and And I remember writing to Aaron after after they they put that episode up after it aired I was like you know you do understand that I I'm like a huge ACDC fan and I felt like you were speaking to me directly so um so anyway so yeah that'll that'll count as their uh, contribution uh Ryan Fisher who's a, a comic book illustrator and has done uh most recently uh the poster work for uh kirby crackle uh doing a few of their their shows um uh i was going to have him on the show back when crackle fest 10 was going to be a thing but um you know uh maybe we'll get together uh one of one of these times seems like a really cool insightful dude way smarter than me uh but he uh he writes um i'm gonna have a weird list but hey you like what you like uh his uh his three picks are i feel safe in new york city Flick of the Switch, and Girls Got Rhythm. Oh, that's a great song. Um, he uh, and and I kind of copied and pasted this from a different conversation thread that that we were talking about. Oh, it was uh, it, it was when I went on this rant saying, you know, uh, Power Up isn't ACDC's best album in thirty years. It's more like twenty years. So uh, Ryan Fisher responded to that and said, "I think it's literally twenty years." Stiff Upper Lip is a vastly underappreciated album. Had nine eleven never happened, I think "I Feel Safe in New York City" would have been a massive hit for them. That being said, it's incredibly impressive that those old guys were able to pull off what they just did. And I I completely agree. Um, I, I don't have as much affection for, uh, stiff upper lip, but, um, it, it, it was interesting. I, I mentioned that my favorite song off of power up is a song called demon fire and it has, I mean, kind of like, like the baseline, uh, the, the, the riff is pretty much the same hook that they use in, I feel safe in New York city. And I remembered that and I remembered not being as keen on it on that song, but it's like, oh, this riff found a better home, <laughs> and so yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's just kind of interesting how that uh, how that works. Um, now wait a sec, so so my dude Dave Dave Sanders um, looks like he double dipped and responded to a different post, and he gives me a different three and says, for those about to rock, uh, ride on and money talks. Well, I guess it's. Okay, he he changed out uh, for those about to rock and rock and roll ain't noise pollution. So 
it, it's all about rock and roll, so I'll allow it. Um, uh, my dude Nick, uh, um, who is who is without helpers uh, this year. Um, I I was looking forward to his uh, helper season uh, Facebook post, but he writes Thunderstruck, TNT, and Hell's Bells, and finally. Lucky, my my lovely wife, uh, responded and said, you shook me all night long, thunderstruck, and highway to hell. And um, her uh, her taste in ACDC songs is rivaled only by her uh, her taste in partner. So, um, um, so, so I appreciate everybody uh, taking the time to... Uh, uh, write in and participate in the show. Uh, one last thing I want to leave you with about ACDC. Now, in um, in over forty years, ACDC have never released a proper greatest hits album. Uh, but there were a few compilations that that kind of work on the same level. Uh, the first being Who Made Who from nineteen eighty six, which is on its own, both a, a great compilation of songs for the first 10 years of the band. You got some Bon Scott and also some uh, Brian Johnson there. Um, but it also serves as the official soundtrack album for the schlocky Stephen King movie, Maximum Overdrive. Um, it's uh, If you're not familiar with this movie, it's Emilio Estevez versus a truck with the Green Goblin face. It is great as it is terrible. Um, and I watched that movie way too much when I was young because it, it was, it was right there. Like you were watching the movie and like in the opening credits, it even says music by ACDC. And instead of just having it in like normal font, um, you know, like in just basic white type letters, it was the actual ACDC logo with, you know, the, the, the beveled, um, image or lettering with, uh, with the lightning bolt and all that. And, um, and ACDC would actually go on to use that same template 24 years later. Uh, the soundtrack for Iron Man two is basically an ACDC greatest hits album. Um, and as a fan of ACDC, I, I personally, I, I've been spoiled. Uh, like I said, I, I watched that Maximum Overdrive movie way too much uh, just, just for the music. Um, but then for, you know, Jon Favreau to use ACDC's music so extensively and baking it into Tony Stark's character uh, is just just fantastic. And... I I think that's as much of a lasting legacy as as any fan of a band and movies and characters uh that 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 I can ask for cuz like you know I didn't necessarily unpack it here but um when I was young right right around the same time that you know I'm getting really into ACDC I I was I was seriously into uh, Iron Man and I, and I was seriously into Iron Man comics and I had a buddy of mine I, I gosh I don't remember who off the top of my head but it's like well well of course you like Iron Man 
Well, why? Well, because he looks like a transformer. And this and so this was like the silver centurion Iron Man, where it's it's the red and silver armor instead of the traditional red and gold. And he's got like giant 1980s shoulder pads, a big backpack, these large uh, gauntlets and large boots and and I, I love that character design. I, I love it the same way that I love Wolverine's brown costume or, you know, black costume Spider-Man, you know, like those those really cool uh, 80s variants uh, that that were um, that were around. And I'm uh, I'm getting far afield. Uh, the last compilation for um, ACDC, I, I have to mention is uh, ACDC Live, or a.k.a. uh, Live in Donington. And for the mix of songs, which includes all of these, well, except for the the ones that were made after uh, uh, 1990, 1991, um, and I think that was just like the bottom two on my list. So um, anyway, it includes all of the songs that I'm, listed plus a bunch of other uh bon scott classics that you know as i said your mileage may vary but i don't think that uh the jack or whole lot of rosie uh necessarily lend themselves to brian johnson's delivery but that's that's that that's just my thing i i guess um and uh and and with that i I, you know what i i think i talked your ear off enough about ACDC, and I think uh, I think our time together is uh, drawing to a close for this episode. And with that, that will do it for episode number three hundred of Mike Cybert Radio. Thank you so much for hanging out with me for five years now and counting. Uh, and if you want to listen to all of my past shows, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can check out the full show archive out on SoundCloud. Five years worth of podcasts there going all the way back to my college radio days. And tune in for the After Hours live stream Monday nights at 8 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook Live. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Let us know what you like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future. Mike Seibert Radio is powered by Poddex for Mike Seibert Radio. My name is Mike. And until next time, wear a mask, wash your hands, and make good choices. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production. Seen ACDC. Go see them. The guys are 50 years old. Yeah, Larry. Can you hear like a little, just like a. Yeah. ACDC, first of all, the guys are like 50. And none of them are above like three feet high. 
is young, we're out of hell. <laughs> but the best is Brian Johnson, he comes out. <laughs> they can take any song, they all sound the same. It's always the same concert, but it rocks. They can take the hokey pokey and tear it up. They gotta come out like, put your left foot in. Thanks for having me.